I'm Sarah Gross. And I'm Sarah True. And you're listening to If We Were Riding. A triathlon-ish podcast. Grab your sock hats, fill your decanter. Friday's here. It's time for some banter. Try tips, life chat from two feisty pros, zoomies, arm hair, ebbs, and flows. Rides with influential women in sport. Voicemails from you, now it's in your court. Join in just to stalk raccoons. Do you like your Zwift caps and fear those loons? So unpad your bras and stop that hiding and find out what happens if we were riding. Hey, Sarah. <laughs> hey, Sarah. So I'm going to, um, I'm just going to like jump in and introduce our guest because last week you made a big announcement that most of our audience caught on to before I did. I can't, let's, can I just say how much like flack I took over that? Like literally I had people DMing me about and like kindly making fun of me and I totally deserved it. But like, I feel like that was one of the most popular moments on the podcast when you would try to tell me that you're pregnant and I didn't catch on. <laughs> well, everybody likes to be in on something. So the mm -hmm. fact that other people are able to figure it out before you, they felt like they were in on the, the whole secret and like just waiting for you to get up to speed. <laughs> and I would love to like take ownership on that. I'd be like, yeah, I let them. I let everybody believe. That oh, I yeah. Would. Yeah. Well, but it just, it just. It underscores the fact this is not a scripted podcast. <laughs> <laughs> True. Can you definitely know that we're being honest when we say that? Um, so this week we did the game of like, grab your favorite pregnant friend and bring her on the show. Um, <laughs> no, I, uh, I, after the show, we connected the dots or maybe during the show, I forget. But that like my business partner for Live Feisty is also pregnant and due around the same time as you. Um, so we asked Ashley Wiles, who is the uh, founder of Soul Girls, and she's also been the brand director for Dr. Stacey Sims brand for a couple of years. Um, Ashley, hi, how are you? Hi, friends. I'm so excited to be here. I've been riding my bike this week in anticipation of being on the show. So, <laughs> um, And we understand you just came from your gynecologist. Yeah, literally I was late for your call because I was at the gynecologist. Nice, nice. Um, how did that go? Oh man, I have, well, we'll talk about this later, but I have so many things to say. I, um, so like in the town I live, I wanted to be with the midwives um, instead of the gynecologist, but um, one of the midwives got pregnant, another one moved away and they had to like shut down the entire practice because they couldn't, they couldn't hire another midwife um, because midwives are really poorly supported in Canada. Like they didn't, they don't get regular pay. They're like one of the um, health workers that are like lowest on the totem pole, I guess. Um, anyways, so they couldn't hire, so they had to like shut down the entire practice. So everybody who was going to the midwives and being supported by them had to like go to the hospital or to the gynecologists. So this was my first appointment back at the gynecologist. Crap. Sarah, yeah. do you have, do you have a midwife? No, I, I don't know what, I think I have, I guess I'm in the do yellow I? team. No, I don't know. I just the go to the hospital. <laughs> I'm part of the yellow team. <laughs> I just, the, like every time I go, I see somebody different. So it's mentally preparing me for, I think both of us, Ashley, you just got to go with the flow, you know? 
like whatever preconceived notions you have about how this whole birthing process is going to be it's probably going to be different than whatever you hope or think it'll be that's actually a good way of thinking about it going to the hospital like you part of my problem with going to the hospital was that we have like a teaching hospital so I went there at the beginning and all I saw was students and I was like I need somebody mm. who can tell me what the F is happening. <laughs> like I don't, mm. I don't know what's happening to my body or my mind or my life. Um, I need somebody who's like a little bit older than me, maybe has like a little bit more experience. Um, and, I, and I'm sure they do. That's a, that's a bad criticism, but I was like, I need somebody to handhold me through this. And I need one person to be my person. That That's totally fair. Cause uh, one of my first appointments, I saw a resident and he just, like there was, there were some not so positive things that he had to tell me and he didn't tell me. And I found out afterwards and I just, I, I'm like, I'm never seeing this resident again. Like I don't, if I can, like, I, I want to go to the experienced nurses. I want to be part of the team. Like this guy. Mm-mm. Yeah. Experience. I, I feel you. Cause I don't know what I'm doing. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> no. No, like I, I, I don't know when you found out you were pregnant. I found out like pretty much right away, like within like the four week, five week mark and nobody would see me. Like nobody would, nobody would see me to tell me like to confirm you're pregnant. You get the pregnancy test and then you're like, well, what do I do now? (laughs) They won't tell you anything. Yeah. Yeah. You have to wait like six weeks, like more over a month, right. For somebody just to tell you like, yes, you're pregnant and we'll see you. Um, and so at that point I was like over and beyond anxious. And I was like, I just need somebody to tell me what's up. Um, and the, I didn't get that impression from the hospital. I can't believe somebody withheld information from you. That would be terrifying. Well, he just, he didn't want me to get upset. And I'm like, I'd rather have information and know what's happening than yeah. Anyway, it's okay. I I wanted to file a complaint. I don't know how you file complaints at the hospital. (laughs) No, but I do have a complaint also. I'd like to file with the hospital. So if you figure it out, yeah. <laughs> I, I have a complaint also to file. Mine is more about the ultrasound, um, the 20 week ultrasound, actually both of them that we went to the hospital. Was oh, that the for? one where you have to hold in your pee? Like you yeah. have to drink a lot of water. That, that surprisingly one, wasn't that my complaint. I like had to like, I, honestly, when they did that one for me, like I had to pee so badly. Like I took it seriously and I was like hydrated because I was used to being an athlete. Like I knew what, how to hydrate, <laughs> you know? And they like, they were like, oh, like after we, they were done the ultrasound that she was like, I can see that you are really uncomfortable, like on the ultrasound. Like I can see how much pressure your bladder is putting on whatever your other bits. So, um, you know, feel free to get up and go to the bathroom quickly. <laughs> like, thank you. <laughs> like, yeah, a funny one. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I, I like paying attention because um, I work a lot with like Dr. Stacy Sims brand. I pay attention to like things that are not set up for women. And I've been really surprised during this maternity process, like how much it's not catered to mothers um, and, and things like that. Like, I understand why you have to hold in your pee. Um, but like, again, I'll say my anxiety level is like so high. Like I need somebody there holding my hand. And they were like, no, like, sorry. Their hospital policy is that nobody can come and hold your hand. (laughs) Why is that a policy? Like, this is not supporting me and my mental health. Yeah. Is, is that just because of COVID right now or 
Is that always how they operate? No, it's mm-hmm. how they operate. Really? Yeah. They oh. were like, we're not a women's centered hospital. <gasps> and I was like, well, what? That's what they <laughs> said to you. Yeah. They were like, you can go to the women's center hospital in Vancouver, which is like four hour drive from here. If you would like to see, like, cause they wouldn't let me see the screen while they were doing it, which I, you know, so like, they're just like, you sit there for an hour and they like fumble around on your belly and you don't have like, and making small talk and they won't like, let you see anything or like tell you anything because they're scared that like, they might see something bad or you might see something bad or distract them from their job. So their policy is just like, not to tell you anything and not let you see anything until like the last two minutes of your appointment. So you sit there for like 45 minutes. And then Mm -hmm. afterwards, did you get to see during your appointment, Sarah? Yeah, I, I was really annoying because I was asking a million questions. I'm like, oh, is that measuring like, you know, blood volume coming out of the heart? And like, oh, what are you measuring now? And is that a little penis or is that a little vagina? Because you know? <laughs> I still don't know. <laughs> but she wouldn't, she wouldn't tell me that one because I told her not to tell me. Um, but the entire, like, I, I loved watching it. It was one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life is just the level of detail you get with the ultrasounds now. So I'm sorry you didn't get to see it. But then again, probably the ultrasound tech was like that lady just um too many questions (laughs) I think I was most excited about too because like you know you don't get a lot of feedback during pregnancy Hmm. you know like up until 20 weeks really like you don't know what's going on like you don't feel anything except for that you're getting like bigger and sick and like a lot of these things you're like well I guess that means I'm still pregnant (laughs) um but like you just don't know what you don't know. Um, and so I was like really, really excited to have that feed, like visual feedback of seeing something. And, um, yeah, I just had like a full on anxiety attack where I like freaked out and they, she actually had to leave the room and go get Ross, my partner. And like, he had to come in the room and be like, it's okay. And calm me down and like take deep breaths. And, um, and then she like asked him to leave the room again. Um, well, she like finished her, her thing. And then he was allowed to come in again for like two minutes while she showed like only the parts that she wanted to show. It was, it was awful. So wherever that complaint center is, I would, I would yeah. like to, to file it. Well, what was your complaint? Oh, my, my complaint was just that I didn't get the information. I wanted more transparency about what was happening rather than less. That's a very similar complaint actually. Yeah. Like, I think, you know what's, I actually, Ashley made me think about this a lot, the way that it goes down. Like I, when I found out I was pregnant and they're like, okay, we make our appointments for like X number of weeks later, right? Like it's essentially a month after you get your positive pregnancy test. And like, I, I didn't, I'm like, oh, if that's the system, that's the system, right? But like when Ashley was pointing out like, oh, but like, I actually don't know what to do. Right. Like what, and, and you think about that, that's the most, like that first trimester, it's sort of a crucial time. The most miscarriages happen then. Like there's a lot of information that could, there's an information highway that could come <laughs> to every mother, right. That should like that highway should be open instead of um, like leaving. We're essentially all left to Google. After um, Google. And yeah. And get our own information, which it's fine. That's a, that's a fine way to get information but even having like a resource that's like oh if you want some information you can read it here you know I found that out from like other I found that out from other mothers right and that was one thing like I found really notable when I was pregnant was that like in the information came from like it was almost like we're living in the ancient world and like it was like an oral tradition 
of like of like your friends and your mom and like your aunts like that's how you find out what actually happens like it's not as like there's like one book like what to expect when you're expecting is like this it's like one book written down on like tablets of stone passed down <laughs> through the generations it's like the it, the level of information and the amount like versus other things like versus for example like for training right i had like several different books that I could read. Like there's lots of different and p different like ways I can find out information or information would come to me. Like people would tell me things, right? Um, so I don't know. I just thought it was like uh, really interesting for something that's obviously such a common experience. Oh, well, Sarah, you do know that this sets us up very well for our podcast today. So maybe we should get cracking <laughs> after the world's longest introduction. Oh yeah. <laughs> As long as intro. Okay, let's take a break. Coming up on the show, in, ha in case you haven't caught on, this is the If We Were Writing Pregnancy edition, <laughs> and we're going to share pregnancy stories. Uh, we're going to talk about the physical and mental health aspects of pregnancy, and then we're going to do I Rock Because with Ashley. Every day, there seems to be a new wellness trend, like eat this, do this, avoid those scary things, and how do we know where to start and who to trust? Inside Tracker cuts through the noise by analyzing your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers. This provides you with a personalized, science-based, trackable action plan on how to live, age, and perform better. Inside Tracker is simpler, cheaper, and more convenient than traditional blood tests, and includes tests that we need as athletes but aren't traditionally included, like ferritin and vitamin D. My favorite part is that they don't just give you the data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips to take action. So for a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our If We Were Riding listeners 25% off their entire store. So just go to insidetracker.com forward slash riding. That's insidetracker.com forward slash riding as in if we were. Change is an inside job. Start inside. All right, so before we get cracking today, I just wanted to acknowledge that this is a very challenging topic for people. Um, you know, I think what we see online a lot of the times can be sugar-coated, but you know, the the idea of bringing life into the world can be complicated. You know, it, it gets wrapped up in ideas of uh, womanhood and all it, all these things are really emotionally fraught. You know, a lot of people struggle with fertility. You know, we're we're just bringing our three individual stories into the mix and we will say we are not experts you know we're barely experts in our own pregnancies um but i think it's really good to just add conversation into the mix and today we're going to talk about some you know some of the the slightly more difficult parts about uh pregnancy that you know was was kind of a revelation to me that I didn't really know that much about until I'd gone through the experience. Um, but overall, you know, we're not experts. We're just three women talking about our pregnancy stories. And I think what's really beautiful about this, uh, this age of the internet is that we are seeing more women just talk about their individual experiences in pregnancy and life in general. And, you know, the more we can talk about these things, the more we can normalize it and realize that, you know, not everything's perfect. Not everything looks the way you might expect that might be sold to us through marketing or whatever. Uh, you know, I think this ties back to what Sarah was saying is that 
you know, so much of the information we are getting are from other women. The more we can be open about the the struggles that we go through and make it okay to talk about it, you know, I think the more we empower other women to just realize that there are multiple ways to to go through life and you know to go through our individual uh you know journeys and just normalizing that it's not always rainbows and unicorns unfortunately so let's get cracking after that very long little uh aside there <laughs> no thanks sarah i appreciate you um you saying that too and i do think like even the identity piece that you just brought up about like um that made me think immediately about how like um motherhood and womanhood are like tied sort of they're t they're connected but they're not necessarily tied together so um just that like it's so it is so different for different women um so thanks for that all right so shall we listen to a go ahead yeah i was going to say let's 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 crack into a voicemail here yeah, we had a voicemail this week. So yeah, well, let's play that. Hi, Sarah and Sarah. This is Jen. And this message is for Sarah True. Um, just a little voicemail note regarding your recent pregnancy announcement. First, congrats to you and Ben. And second, um, I understand and empathize with your feelings of uncertainty. I have two kids. Birthdays are July 9th and July 12th. My son's due date was actually July 15th. So yay, July babies. Um, they are seven and nine now, but those summers in retrospect are super special, tiring, but special. Um, even though I'm not an elite athlete, I know what it feels like to be an athlete and enter the unknown of pregnancy, your body growing, changing, birthing a human, and then having the uncharted waters of parenthood ahead. So I have a few positive thoughts for you today. Um, one, it's so nice that you went into pregnancy fit and specifically have all the options a triathlete does to stay fit through these months. You're sort of in reverse training, almost like a reverse periodization. Um, but you have swim, bike, the electric bike, the elliptigo now, or you will hopefully soon, <laughs> treadmill, trails, um, strength training, maybe even some aqua jogging if running becomes uncomfortable. Uh, so many options to tap into and you can switch it up if one sport isn't agreeing with your body as your pregnancy progresses. Uh, we lived in Boston actually during my first pregnancy and I was so thankful for a bike trainer at the time when I didn't feel safe running outside on icy roads in the winter when my center of gravity changed a bit. Um, also, you've talked on the podcast before about what sport has taught you and um, asked your listeners to respond. And someone asked me once after my children were born what uh, most prepared me for motherhood. And I told that person that being an athlete and having a dog most prepared me. Um, so check, check for you on both of those. The early mornings, recovering from injuries, managing fatigue, being adaptable, knowing how to troubleshoot. Um, caring for an, another being while caring for yourself, all those things. Um, and then the other end, during my first full Ironman, I got to the point mentally during my race where I felt this is really hard and was able to tap into thoughts like, man, I naturally labored two babies into this world. I, I can do this. Um, so just another experience to add to your resiliency on the race course. 
Um, well, I'm excited for your months ahead and excited for you that you have all the science and women in sport to support you, who can encourage you and empathize with you and affirm you along your journey. Um, I hope that as for baby gear, you get a bob stroller or some kind of jogging stroller um, and a car seat. Those are kind of really all you need. All the baby needs um, for the most part is mom. Um, so just a couple thoughts post podcast. I listened to the podcast after seeing the news on Instagram. So I got to smile real big through some of my run while listening to the back and forth between you guys on the baby surprise. Um, and thanks for listening to my triathlon ish message. And as always, thanks for the triathlon ish podcast that keeps us all entertained every week. Oh, thank you so much for that voicemail. Yeah, I, I, I was pleasantly surprised how much fun it is to kind of talk about it and tell people. Uh, and yes, Sarah got a lot of flack about, um, you know, her reaction. But yeah, the, the amount of support that we get as, as women um, from other women through this process is incredible. So thank you for, for everything you said. I'm sure a lot of it resonated with both uh, Sarah and Ashley as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was wondering as, as I was listening to the voicemail, I was wondering um, how much, like, I think we're probably on three different points of the spectrum of like how much we actually exercise throughout pregnancy. Um, I'm, I'm guessing. So I'm wondering like, um, I know Sarah, I don't, I don't, did we talk about this last week? I think we may, maybe we did. Like you said, you had some weeks you've done 20 hours, like, and I like, it was in passing. Um, but like my jaw was a little bit on the ground. <laughs> um, are you still like, are you, and I know that that's probably mostly aerobic, but are you still able to exercise 20 hours a week? Uh, so it's, it's gone down after surgery, but I'll probably, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, third trimester basically talking to my coach who's like you take it day by day because you don't know how your body's going to feel there is no training plan in pregnancy it's how how tired are you you know how's your body feeling you know just moving is enough just riding your bike like for me just riding my bike and going up a hill is basically interval training right now so uh you know any anybody who so yeah i i try to I was hitting about 20 hours a week up until 20 weeks. Um, and then, uh, wait, what week did I have surgery? I don't really even remember. So whenever I had surgeries, when it dropped off, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm exercise. It's, it's easy, but then again, like my normal was mm. up to 30 hours right. a week. So I think you have yeah. to, you have to scale it accordingly. Um, but there are days where I wake up and I'll do a little bit of exercise and I want to do nothing all day. Um, or I had this great idea where it's, you know, beautiful outside and sunny and I'd love to, you know, go for a bike ride or whatever. And I'm like, it's not going to happen. Like, and I'm totally okay with it. Yeah. But I, I think what, one of the really interesting things is I've had a bunch of, um, of other athletes reach out and they're like, I absolutely hated being pregnant. I hated being tired all the time. I hated being Mm. nauseated all the time. And they're just completely astounded by, you know, the athletes who are posting these things and they have like a six pack with a basketball, you know, on top and like they're, they're doing crazy training. 
And you're like, I, mm -hmm. I, there are days where I just want to sleep and that's all I want to do. And like, I can't breathe and I'm, you know, I can't, like, I don't even want to eat. So I don't know how they're doing it, but you just, it's all so individual, but I was surprised by the number of people, the number of female athletes who reached out and they're like, oh no, it was miserable. And I just do not understand those women who can maintain a high volume and like stay active at a, at a pretty good level all throughout. So mm -hmm. uh, what, yeah, what, what was your experience or what's your experience so far, Ashley? I, I was just going to say, I can relate to those women. Like also I'm not an elite athlete. I'm like a I enjoy doing physical activity most of the time. Um, <laughs> um, but I had like a really hard time in first trimester, like just a bunch of different terrible circumstances, um, that led to me just spending most of the time on the couch. Um, and, and it took me like, a, like I lost my entire motivation. Mm. Um, part of that was like, my partner wanted to ad adopt, <laughs> adopt a child at the same time, a man child, um, who was like fully um, lives with autism. And so if you can imagine, um, first trimester and then changing your entire life circumstances. Um, and then I got a skin condition. I don't know if you saw on Instagram, but like my face like blew up. I got like this like crazy allergic reaction for, for a little bit there. And I was like, that was a thing. And then my partner got diagnosed with a heart condition, like on top of that, like all within a month, um, of finding out I was pregnant. So, um, my motivation like went from like, yeah, cool. This is fun. I can totally be active to no, <laughs> nothing. Like I'm just going to, to sleep on the couch and yeah. um, do what I can. Um, I definitely got more energy in second trimester. And now I'm like, I'm like doing two hours a day, like of hiking and like moving. Um, but yeah, That's nothing really like good. definitely no six pack with, with the baby on top. <laughs> that is not a thing. I like, I just actually put on some jeans to go to the gynecologist and they're like my fat pants and they don't fit. Like that, like got in the car and sat down and I was like, oh, damn it. <laughs> I thought they would fit like underneath, but they like just didn't. And that's just like such a bad feeling, which like helps, helps lose more motivation too. Um, I noticed that you were wearing your tri kit though. And I was like, wow, like, that's really great that you still fit into your clothes. Uh, it's not all of my clothes. Let, <laughs> let's be honest. Thankfully, I would say 95% of my wardrobe consists of, um, elastic waistbands and, you know, just very large, like sweatshirts. So, I'm, I'm trying to make it happen, but then I, I had like, I, this week I was noticing just full on belly exposure, you know, the bottom part. And I had to put on my belly bands for the first time. Uh, so it's, if you don't, it's like a tube top for your stomach, just to make sure that you're not exposing skin. Um, cause like, it's not that I'm a, okay. I'm a little bit of a, a cheapskate, but I'm like, I don't want to buy a whole new wardrobe for a few months. So I'm going to try to wear today. I'm just wearing a dress because a dress, like I'm not going to expose any skin. Um, but mostly I just like large sweatshirts and large t-shirts. And at some point I'll just take over Ben's clothes. So <laughs> I love that belly band. Like you can just like undo the top, like you can undo the button and you're like, in your jeans or whatever. And then this is back, like I was pregnant before COVID. So like we still wore jeans, <laughs> but like, 
<laughs> but like you could undo your top button and put that big band thing around and you're just like so cozy in there. Like I, I love that. Um, but okay, I'm going to throw something in here. Like you guys don't hate me, but like I really did love being pregnant. Like that's, I love. That's totally being... fine. Yeah. I, a lot I, of I, women like, do. Love... Yeah. Like this, like, it's like a physical experience. Like I recognize, like I had a fairly easy pregnancy. I had a little bit of nausea in the first trimester. Um, but, but overall, and I was, I stayed fairly small. Like I didn't have a lot of fluid. I had a small baby, like small in all the ways. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I, I just like lapped that up. Like, I'm like, I'm growing a baby right now. Um, also because like I was in the middle of my pro triathlon career. So I just took it as a, like, I also didn't, like you, like you, Sarah, like I also did not keep up anywhere near 20 hours. Um, maybe at the beginning, like when we found out we were pregnant, um, I was in Australia at training camp, you know? So I probably was that did then carry on like doing loads of bike riding and it probably did add up to 20 hours, but very shortly after I came home, um, I definitely went down to like I, I think probably six or seven hours. Like I was probably the least active of the three of us right now. Like I, I would, um, I would do like short runs and um, short bike rides. Um, but yeah, I did like just really enjoy like that experience of something different happening. Like I felt hormonally different um, and it was a challenge, you mm. know, to like stay healthy. And... You like enjoyed the challenge of it. Yeah. I like took it on, on that level. Um, I, I really respect that. So I, I have heard that from other women who are like, listen, I just, I embraced that phase for what it was. And you just drop, you know, what, what, how your body felt before you just take it that you're growing a baby and, you know, just embrace the whole, the whole new challenge of it. And you know, at some point you're going to go back to being active again and feeling the way you used to. But I think for so much of this process, I've just had this comparison game of, you know, like, well, my pelvis doesn't feel right on my, my bike seat. You know, I just, I don't look right when I look in the mirror. I just, you know, it, where it's just, it, it builds where I haven't just flipped a switch. So it sounds like you almost flipped a switch and you're like, this is this phase. This is what I need to do. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's been, I haven't been able to do that where I expect my, my mind and my body to work how it did before. And I'm just constantly frustrated and I'm, I'm adjusting. I think it definitely made a difference when I started to, uh, feel movement where that's like, it, it made it, it made it okay for me to prioritize, you know, things above training <laughs> and above like that, what things used to be comparison game. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's a very common experience that, people really love. And that's, that's, what's been one of the things that's been hard for me. I'm like, at what point do I shift into, Oh, I love being pregnant. I love having this baby. <laughs> yeah. When do I get to, yeah. <laughs> when do I get to be that person? Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I'm like a hundred and thousand percent with you, Sarah. I also like found that mental shift really challenging mm. and I'm not an, like, I'll say this again, I'm not an elite athlete, but just like going from like, what I used to be able to yeah. do to then like spending a month on the couch was like really crushing, um, to yeah. like my self-esteem and my motivation and just like my personality in general. Like 
I tend to think like, I'm a, like a hype girl. Like I love, like, I love excitement and like, you know, getting excited about things. And I would just like sit on zoom and be like, I hate my life. Um, and that was like, it was terrible to feel that way. Um, and I didn't want to feel that way, but you just, you just like, can't do anything about it. Um, so like, I, you know, I th- think it's, I'm re- also ready for that moment. <laughs> to be like, yay. Yeah. Um, and I'm getting closer. The more I wear like comfortable clothes makes a big difference. Um, and the more like I am outside and doing things makes a difference. Um, and the closer I get also, like, I'm definitely like a countdown person. I'm like, okay, circle the date on the calendar. This is happening. You're out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like You're being evicted. Um, <laughs> no more woman here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no. So once, once I hit the hundred, under a hundred days to go, that's when I'm like, okay, I can do this. But there were times where I'm like, I just, I can't imagine feeling, cause I know it's, it's going to get harder as it gets closer because, you know, obviously baby gets bigger and there's less space. Um, oh yeah. And then just the whole lack of preparation. Do you feel, do you feel prepared? No, I also took a terrible pregnancy class, um, (laughs) offered by Okanagan, like the college up here. And it was terrible. My partner and I both sat there for like three hours for two Saturdays in the morning, two Saturday mornings. And it was, it was awful. It was like these videos that were like done, I don't know, years ago and like did not pertain to Canadian hospitals or the experience that like I felt I was going to have. Um, And I have like, since like, I, I spend a lot of time on Instagram. So I found like that quite helpful, like finding resources and everything. And the local women in my community, um, like what a friend of mine had a baby a year and a half ago. So she like gave me or lent me all of her stuff. Mm -hmm. So I have like a room full of baby stuff, um, that I, I don't know really what to do with, but it's all there. Um, (laughs) and, and we like started our registry or at least like put things down on like Amazon. Right. Um, and my sister's like really excited about planning a baby shower. Um, yeah. So like there's things that are like happening. Um, and I, I just like, I kind of don't think you can prepare, you know, Mm. like it's just going to happen. And then you're going to have to like deal with the, (laughs) you know, like it's kind of like an, an Ironman, like shit happens, you know, and you kind of know what's happening, but like, sometimes you don't. Right. And then you're just like, okay, well, this is what's happening now. And so I've got to deal with whatever it is. Yeah, sure. But you don't show up to an Ironman without a helmet and a bike and shoes, which is currently the position we're in where we have, we, my sister sent some baby shoes, but babies don't walk. So, uh, I have nothing and we have, we better get cracking on the shopping and borrowing and just begging for things. Um, because Facebook marketplace, no, like Facebook marketplace, it has like everything on there, or I guess you don't really use Facebook do you, but like, there's just like, so I, I like kind of refuse to buy anything new Yeah. because, um, I just don't think that babies really need that much. They're new enough, you know, like they can use old stuff. (laughs) 
Um, also, they're not likely to have worn their clothes for three years because they, they grow right. so quickly that it's like a few months at a time, right? Like yeah. baby clothes are, are usually not well worn. Right. Especially if you have like a chubby baby and you're like, get the newborn stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they're just bursting out like a mini sausage. Um <laughs> So the, thankfully, my my sister-in-law has bags of clothing. Uh, so we're covered from that point. But honestly, like a baby doesn't care if they're naked. I'm not super worried about the clothing. It's more like car seat, stroller, like the big ticket things, because you're kind of stuck with them for a little while. I don't know. How how did you handle all that, Sarah? Were you, you just I bet laughing you at a baby doesn't care if they're naked? <laughs> I mean, they really do. <laughs> well, they don't care about fashion. Back. <laughs> like so gender neutral very feminist burlap sack like yeah. reuse recycle you eat potatoes right <laughs> <laughs> totally I think I I had a t- I had a ton of hand-me-downs mm. like because I I mean like both of you like I was in my mid-30s when I had um Rosie so like all a lot of my friends had had babies already you know so I was just they were just like thank goodness here have all the stuff you know that's I had awesome that for some maternity clothes too so I felt really lucky that way um so I don't know but it's really funny like when you're when, when I'm listening to you talk and you're like oh I'm not prepared or whatever I'm like I don't even think I asked myself about preparedness like I just assumed that it was going to be fine you like, had, had a helmet like, yeah I had, a, I had my helmet yeah like like we had like we had a car seat you know like like Sarah said like the basics you know um it's just like oh if I need if we need like a if the preemie clothes we need preemie clothes or we need bigger clothes we'll just like buy those clothes like it's fine yeah no, I think I think that's a good attitude to have I the problem is you start going down these routes and just marketing starts bombarding you like that you need you need like this two thousand dollar bassinet that you know is bluetooth enabled and you're like no i don't need it i don't (laughs) i i i'm totally i think i think the humans have evolved without fancy stuff um Mm -hmm. i think i think Baby True can handle roughing it a little bit without a $2,000 bassinet. <laughs> so, okay. The most interesting book that I read when I was pregnant was one that a friend shared. If I had it, if I could find it, Ashley, would, I would give it to you next time I see you. But it was about, um, it was like different pregnancy stories from around the world or like baby stories, right? And it was like really showed like different, like cultural differences in how that those first experiences are with the baby. And I remember this one story, this anthropologist, she like, she kept working through her pregnancy and she was in Africa working on a research project and she had her baby with her. And she told this story about um, bringing along like a small basket, like a wicker basket to put her baby in. They were in like kind of a camp type shelter. So it sounds like somewhere halfway between like, a hut and a tent, you know, was like her, and they were, she was to sleep in the shelter and she had this basket, like to, with a, to us would be like a, like I had a bassinet for a Rosie that like was right beside the bed. That's where she slept. Um, sometimes she'd fall asleep in the bed with me, but, or put her back in or whatever. Um, and the African women like looked at her like with disgust, like mm-hmm. that she was going to sleep 
separately with this, like to me, that's really close sleeping, like having a wicker basket beside you when you're sleeping. That was like, for our Western standards, very close baby sleeping. Um, but to them, it was like, they were just like looking down their nose at her, like, what is this mother doing? Like, why is she separated? Like they were like skin on skin, mm-hmm. like all night long situation, right? And and I, I just remember some of these stories like really highlighted, like how many of the things that we assume are um, are actually cultural. Like they're actually completely, like we could have a whole different construction around around motherhood and, and young babies and how we should treat them, um, which is actually very freeing in a way, because it's like, okay, like we can do it our way. If it's not, like you said about marketing and advertising, like if um, I would just <laughs> personally just like ignore, do it your way. Um, my 10 year old still, <laughs> this is like a big admission on the podcast, but like my 10 year old still often sleeps in my bed with me. Um, and part of that's because she, as she goes through phases, like she went through a couple of years of sleeping in her own bed. But then when like her dad and I separated, she like, I knew she needed that connection you know, and sometimes now like we don't spend any time together all day. So like when we go to bed at night and we read a story together or we watch a show together and then we go to sleep, like she like having her sleep in my, and I'm like, you know what? Like, I know there's a lot of people who would be like, what? Like your 10 year old sleeps in your bed. Like why? It doesn't make sense. But like for me, for my situation, it totally makes sense. And I wouldn't have it any other way. And like when she says, I want to sleep in my own bed tonight, mommy, I'm like, okay, cool. You can do that. Like there's no rules here. Um, so I've continued, I like continue to feel like that. It's like the way we, you know, I don't know. I lived in the Middle East where like families slept all together in a room, mm-hmm. like literally like no one was not touching another human when they, when they fell asleep, like there's a foot on your leg and there's like, so, so like, and that's, it's just like, it's all fine. Well, uh, it's not all fine. So the other extreme is I'm pretty sure he was joking, but Ben was suggesting that the baby sleep in the basement so that he could sleep more. <laughs> I'm pretty sure a newborn should not be in the basement. I know that much. <laughs> not everything. padded room. <laughs> yes. I, I think that's what he was, he was like, put some paneling in there. I'm like, no, no, that's not well, gonna Like fly. basic safety, like basic safety <laughs> as it is. Like, sure. Like let, let's check the boxes there, you know. At I least have it. a at least have a baby monitor in the basement. Yeah. Baby is not going in the basement. <laughs> I read this book kind of in the same lines called Bringing Up Baby, and it was this woman mm. who was like comparing um, French culture with American culture, um, mm. around the same lines, like around sleep training and around eating and around like parenting and. I find it, I found it like fascinating. Um, and in Quebec, I talked to a, like a mother friend there and she was like, oh yeah, like ours is so much more similar to France. Um, and I was, and even like childcare, like how much we pay for it. I don't know how much it is in, in where you live, Sarah, but here it's like astronomical. Um, but in Quebec, it's like $10 a day. Um, and like how, how people like do that and like react and, and, um, and yeah, all the training, everything was basically just so different. And she does this really cool comparison. So if anybody's interested in the cultural aspects of it. Wow. $10. It's definitely not $10 a day. Oh yeah. man. That's wild. Um, yeah. I also wanted to make sure we touched on like some of the mental health um, stuff. Like I know uh, that we, you know, at the beginning, like after the episode, 
uh, last week where I very slowly realized that Sarah was pregnant. We talked about this and like I like when I was pregnant with Rosie, it was probably third trimester or so. Um, I started to feel a lot of the um, symptoms of depression. And because I'd been through such um, kind of a harsh clinical depression when I was 19, 20 years old, I, I felt like the symptoms were the same. Um, and I went through, I went down a path of like, you know, I remember talking to friends about like, okay, I need to figure this out. Like I need to seek out a counselor. Um, I, I started to look for a counselor. Um, I didn't really know. Uh, yeah, I didn't really know like what it was. And then, um, and then around, I don't know, a few weeks, I felt like that for, I don't know. I feel like it was several weeks. And then I, um, I found out I was, I had like low iron, like extremely low, like I was an, very anemic. Um, and then we like basically like pulled out all the stops to, to fix the anemia. And then, and then I felt better. Um, but I had initially thought it was like a, a mental health issue. And I thought, I don't know. I just like, it, that was probably, I said, I loved being pregnant, but that, that was really hard. Were, were you okay postpartum? Yeah, I was actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's, so, that's the part everybody talks about is, is being prepared for the postpartum depression. But what yeah. I hadn't expected was that, um, like ever since actually probably before I got pregnant, but it just got worse. Like I, I was definitely having low level depression and I was just waiting for it to lift, waiting for it to lift. And like, it just kind of got worse and worse over the course of my pregnancy where towards the end of the first trimester, my, uh, OBGYN. And I were like, okay, listen, um, like you're doing therapy, you know, that's great, but let's get you on some meds. Um, and it's the first time I'd been on antidepressants for years. So they, they put me on, uh, Lexapro and it's helped, it's helped a bit. Um, I think the therapy is also helping, but that's just not something I ever would have expected. Um, I, I, like you, I have a history of, of clinical depression. They're like, we just need to get on top of it now. Uh, because we're very concerned about like postpartum. If you, if you are depressed now with the, the big hormonal shifts you're going to get, but it never in a million years would I have expected that, you know, this is, this is something that I had wanted that like, I thought was going to be like months of joy and, you know, sunshine and rainbows. And instead it's like, I, I feel bad. I, I don't feel like myself, um, you know, like, right now I'm sleeping because I'm tired, but I just didn't, I wanted to sleep because I just felt depressed. Um, and like getting me out of that state was, was big because then I can be more responsive to the training, the therapy I'm doing, which interesting, we can talk about it another time, but it's, it's very much geared towards, um, towards mothers, the, the, the treatment I'm doing it. I'm, in the middle of like learning some pretty, pretty interesting techniques that we'll see if it works. Um, but yeah, how about, how about you, Ashley? That's cool. Yeah. Thank you both for sharing that experience. I was also like super surprised, um, by not being like overjoyed and, and like grateful and happy. <laughs> um, cause generally I think of myself as that type, like as, as regularly like that. Um, but I fell into depression, um, probably, yeah, by the second month, um, I had all of those other, like, like other circumstances that really like pushed me. 
Um, and then add in like a, the pandemic, right? So here in, in Canada, they shut down right before Christmas. So they like, you can't see family, you can't see anybody, you can't go anywhere. And um, like, I needed to like, look forward to something. And I was looking forward to nothing. And mm. that was a really scary feeling just to feel like I can't think myself out of this and I can't do anything about it. Like I can't change my physical circumstances right now. Um, and I can't even like escape. <laughs> um, like I can't go away to a beach and sit in the sun or like, you know, absorb that. I should have got that sun thing you guys have, but, um, it was awful. It was really, really awful. And so in Canada, we, um, we have a program that, actually can set you up with free counseling, which was, um, really, I was super grateful for. So my gynecologist, um, gave me a referral, I think in November, but it didn't actually go through to a counselor, like after vacation and everything until January. So, um, yeah, I didn't get to see somebody until January. And then she like very quickly diagnosed me and, and asked me if I wanted to be, to take any drugs or anything. Um, and I opted not to take them. Um, because I just, I think just even having a, a, um, some validation that I, I wasn't crazy that, um, that, that there was like a reason and some like medical professional telling me that there was like, um, a reason why I was feeling the way I was, um, was really helpful. Um, and then being able to talk about it. So like my family was really not like, I thought they'd be really supportive, but they just didn't know what or how depression works and how to like talk about it. So, I, they were like, just think positively and, you know, be grateful. And I'm, there's so many people that can't get pregnant. And I like literally just was like, you guys have to stop. Like, I, <laughs> I don't know what to do here. And I like, and this isn't helping. So I found that super duper hard. Um, especially like the people that were closest to me, right. Like you ask for help and they, they don't help you. Um, and that just like drove me even like harder into depression. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's kind of my little my little yeah. bit. Um, but now my physical, like everything's changed now. Like we didn't adopt Jason and Ross moved in and <laughs> it's sunny outside now. <laughs> and like, there's like physical things that have changed. Um, my family like accepted the circumstances once they knew there was like a diagnosis. And, um, so that was like, like all of those things together really have helped, um, enormously, but, um, gosh, like that's a trip. Yeah. Not, not a pleasant trip, but it is, it is always so interesting to me because like we, we want to turn to our family and friends during mental health crises. Um, but if like, if I had diabetes, I wouldn't turn to my family. I would turn to a medical professional and we just, you know, we should have the same expectations about our mental health. Like you need to turn to a medical professional because they have the tools to be able to help you. Um, our, our family and friends, they love us. They, they probably don't have the tools. So I'm, I'm so happy that you found somebody that you're working with. Who's, who's able to help and, you know, the sun's out and like the, it sounds like the, the, the anxiety that you went through first trimester is a little bit less now, which is also really helpful. Even if you couldn't see things on the ultrasounds, stupid hospital. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, no kidding. But speaking of diabetes, I did just get my diabetes test. That's like, oh, a, yeah, a thing yeah, yeah. You have to do. I have to do that. Um, so I just did mine and I was like, 
I've been eating ice cream. Like literally that's my new thing every day. There's like a local ice cream shop that just opened like three blocks down so I can walk there or ride my cruiser. <laughs> and, and it's so great. Um, and they like a single is three scoops of ice cream. So you get this like massive ice. Anyway, whatever. It's amazing. When you come to Penticton, I'll a take single you. is three scoops of ice cream. Yeah. How it's, is that? It's very good for pregnancy. I've, I've like apparently, um, calcium hurts with helps with heartburn. So I like, I've gotten really bad heartburn. So I'm eating more ice cream. Um, it all works out. (laughs) Anyways. Um, if I did, I was, I was negative for diabetes. Um, but like, had I been positive, like that would have made a really big impact on my life. Um, and I would have turned to my family. I would have said like, Hey, like this is going to have an impact on me. Um, and, and it's going to have an impact on all of you because I can't eat ice cream anymore, you know, or whatever, <laughs> you know? Um, so like, I do have like a certain level of ex- expectations from like the people around me and, and maybe that's wrong, but that's, yeah. you know, that's what I hope oh, for. Yeah. But after you have a diagnosis, after you know how to treat it, you know, th- you go to them for support, but not for treatment. Right. Like, I think, I think that's mm-hmm. how we kind of have to reframe it a bit. It's the thing of like treating, um, like treating uh, mental health, like physical health, you know, and like, if you break your arm, you go to the doctor, right? And if there's a mental health issue, it's like, there's something going wrong in my brain with my hormones with something and like need to figure that out um, in a, in a way that's like, and, that, and I think as culturally, like as a society, we've moved forward on that a lot with a lot of the, um, with mental health being talked about more and becoming more normal and everybody sort of understands, uh, not everybody understands, people are increasingly under understanding of that kind of thing, but still like the conversation um, should be like, okay, how do I, like, how do I get a diagnosis on this? How can, who can help me? Who is trained to help me? Um, yeah. That kind of thing. So instead of just like, I feel sad, you know, I need hugs from my mom. Like that, that's, that is not how it works. Right. Right. Um, well, yeah. so to finish up this episode, I, Sarah, should we do our favorite recurring segment? I rock because sure. Ashley, do you have two minutes to do? I rock because I do. Yeah. Okay, excellent. Let's take a short break and then do I Rock Because. If We Were Riding is a feisty podcast. Remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at If We Were Riding. And we love hearing from our feisty friends. So please send us a voicemail at sarah at livefeisty.com. That's Sarah without an H. Right, so just grab your phone, record an audio file and email it to me and we will... Love it and love you forever. And our regular listeners will know that If We Were Riding and All Things Feisty is proudly partnered with Orca Sportswear. For 15% off all items on orca.com, please use the code LIVEFEISTY15. And that includes the wetsuits. So good deals all around. Okay, Sarah, are you ready to go first? Well, I know Ashley has to head off. So if if she wants to go, no, look at that expression. Okay, I rock because uh, I just started volunteering with a mental health uh, family support group. 
Um, and they meet once a month and they have virtual meetings. And I'm going to go through training at the end of the month. So I'm really excited because um, I feel like I'm going to be proactive in my community, you know, helping destigmatize and support other individuals. Wow. I don't wow. know how I can follow that. That's amazing. I know. That's so cool. Oh, don't worry. Normally my I rock because it's like, I just made yeah, some hummus. She's like, <laughs> she's like, I rock because I like pickles. Like, it's, it's like... <laughs> Normally it's a very low bar and Sarah's is professional, generally different versions of the same thing. <laughs> Ashley, are you ready to go next? Yeah. Um, I rock because I got back on my bike this week, um, which was a big deal. And I like went for like two really solid rides and, um, I think that's a huge accomplishment for me. Like, you know, despite my shorts, not really fitting. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Totally awesome. Okay. I was going to say I rock because I pick good people. So I feel like, and I'm also like giving myself a pat on the back because I'm hiring this week and I need to like encourage myself that I can pick good people. But I feel like in like, you know, in having both of you, uh, in my circle, I feel very lucky. So. Oh, thanks Rian. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of if we were riding someday, we're going to be riding in person, hopefully. And in the meantime, just keep on plugging away and sharing your stories. My time, none of you people can tell me to stop. My town, my crown, we know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're